Thank you for choosing this podcast from the Calling Community Church. As a Christ-centered community, our mission is to create space for all people to experience the compassionate love of the Father and the calling He has for their life. Please enjoy the message today recorded live inside the Wilson Arts Auditorium at Platte County High School in Platte City, Missouri. Have you heard me before? If you belong to Jesus, you belong at the table. And I know we come from different faith backgrounds, and maybe you experience communion in a little bit different way. But here's the thing. You can put your hope and trust in Jesus before you even get up to the table. And hopefully today when you hear about what Jesus has done for you and the way that he has offered his body for you and the way that his blood was poured out on the cross, we pray that if you haven't put your hope and trust in Jesus, you will. Matter of fact, it might be when you come and you receive, and as you're eating the bread and as you're drinking the cup, you receive Christ as your Savior, as the sacrifice for your sin. Here's the the thing. One of the reasons why we only do this once a month is because we don't want to lose the significance of it. We don't want it to be, oh, it's just something that we do when we go to church. No, it's so much more than that. Like, matter of fact, if you've been a Christian a really long time, maybe you've been following Jesus, like, since you were six, and you're much older than that now, don't lose the awe. Don't miss the beauty of the cross. Don't miss the the sheer power in his blood. Don't miss it. Matter of fact, if you have, return to it today. Like, just be caught up in the moment. Here's the deal. This is, this is just bread that we got from Bee Creek. They baked it for us yesterday. And the juice came from Price Chopper, you know? So it's not like we went to the Holy Land and extracted juice from the grapes and, you know, and baked the bread there in a stone oven and traveled home. But you know what? The thing is, is that what God is doing inside of you is significant, and the work that he's doing in your heart and the things that he's reminding you of and the things that, he's, uh, the things that he wants to, you to remember about his love and great sacrifice for you makes this special, makes this moment special. And so this morning, what we'll do is I want you to come up as a family. Now, if you're here by yourself, find some other people that are here by themselves and come up as a family Okay, don't come alone. Don't eat alone. Like when I go to a restaurant and I see someone eating alone, maybe they chose to be alone. Maybe they left all their family at home because they don't want to be with their family. I don't know. But sometimes you think, I just hate for people to eat alone. Kids, kids at school, if you see a kid that's sitting by themselves at lunch, don't let them eat alone. You know, do this together as a family, okay? Or come with another family. And you're going to come up together and you're going to receive the bread, you're going to receive the juice, they're going to walk you through how that works, and then you're going to go back, and you're going to, you're going to pray, and you're just going to just be quiet as everybody else goes through, and then once we're done, um, you know what I'm hoping? I'm hoping we have enough cups today. <laughs> That'll be, a, but we have extra, so if for some reason you run out, we have extra, so d- don't worry about that. All right, so we've been on this series, we've been on the series of the seven commands of Christ, and we started out with the first command, that is to repent and believe that the kingdom has come. And so if you're someone, you say, you know, okay, I've repented, 
I've believed in Christ. I have received Christ, his forgiveness, salvation for my sin. And then after that, we follow up by being baptized. Now, some of you have already done that. Some of you are going to do that next Sunday when we, get, when we gather together. Maybe you say, you know what, Brady, I haven't done that, but I've been thinking about it. I'm, I think I'm ready to do that. Let me know, okay, so we can make sure that we've got you on the schedule. All I know is, uh, it's, I, know, I do know this. There's a couple guys that are going to get baptized next week that are some, they're bigger guys. And I'm going to need some help. We're going to take them down to get them back up again, all right? So Brady Rogers, hopefully you're here. You can help me next week. So you follow Jesus, you've been baptized, and then you come to the table. You come to the table and you are reminded and you remember what Christ has done for you. Remember the great price that he paid for your sin. And you celebrate. It says we're to remember and celebrate the, the coming of what Christ has done for us. And so we're going to do that today. So you saw in the video, you got a little bit of background on what it's about. And I love this, this idea that Jesus... Jesus was looking forward to this time with his followers where he was going to take this ancient tradition and completely transform it. He'd waited till that day, until just the right time. Some would even say that based on the calendar and the schedule and the way other people observed the, the Passover in that culture, that when Jesus was being crucified, it was at the exact same time that others in the city were sacrificing their lamb for their Passover meal. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that perfect timing that as Jesus was being hung on a cross, as Jesus was being beaten on our behalf, that there were other people throughout the city completely unaware of what Jesus was doing for them. They were sacrificing this lamb, and they were missing what the lamb of God was doing for them. Oh. Don't miss today what the Lamb of God has done for you. Just don't miss it. So communion, this idea of communion is the, is the sharing or exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings, especially when the exchange is on a mental or a spiritual level. So it's like it's something deeper. When we come to receive communion, we are coming together. We're uniting. We're, we're coming to the same table. Christians all over the world, when we observe the Lord's Supper, it's like we're all coming to this table together. It's a great, great picture. Some maybe have call, heard, the, um, heard this time called the Eucharist. If, you've been, if you were in the Catholic faith growing up, maybe you've heard it's called the Eucharist or Holy Communion or the Lord's Supper. Typically, you refer to it as the Lord's Supper. But here's the interesting thing. The Eucharist is a source and a summit of the Christian life. It is like the highest of the highs. Like when we are in the presence of God at his table eating, the, the, that's what the Eucharist means. A deeper meaning is it's a, it's a time of thanksgiving or a praise for the wonderful works of God. And come to the table different today. Come to the table with some expectation. Do you, let me ask you this. Do you have an expectation when you come to church? I hope you do. I hope you expect a couple things. Um, I, first of all, I hope that you expect that you're going to find some people who are kind. Right? Listen, and we, for the most part, we're pretty kind people around here. We're pretty loving. And if we didn't get a chance to love on you, it's just because you snuck around us and we didn't, get, we didn't see you. All right? Or you came in anonymously and you didn't want that. All right? But eventually we'll catch up with you. 
We actually have people who just do that. They just look for people to love on, all right? So we'll get you eventually, I'm telling you. Um, another thing is you expect that you will experience uh, something at a deeper level. Like you'll have an experience with God. Or maybe you'll experience some peace. Maybe you'll experience some, you'll hear some truth that changes your mind a little bit. Just changes your thinking. Hopefully that's what your expectation is. Hopefully you're just not expected to, um, to just tolerate <laughs> what Brady's going to say for 35 minutes and then I can get out of here. Hopefully that's not your expectation. Don't do that. Don't waste that time. Don't waste your time. And so hopefully you have this healthy expectation. Hopefully you expect that God will just move in and do what he wants in your life while you're here today. That can happen. Turn to Luke chapter 22, all right? So you give your Bible. Turn to Luke chapter 22. Hopefully you brought your a copy of scripture with you. And so this gives us a picture of Jesus having this, this time, this uh, transformation of the Passover meal into what we call the Holy Communion today. So Luke chapter 22, starting at the very first part of the chapter. I'll give you a few more seconds to find that here the page is turning it's on page 950 in my bible anybody else if you just happen to have the same bible that'd be cool i don't know what it is in yours mine's pretty small writing so that's the reason i have to take my glasses off otherwise i wouldn't be able to see it so luke chapter 22 it says the plot to kill jesus the festival of unleavened bread which is called passover was approaching and the chief priests and the scribes were looking for a way to put Jesus to death because they were afraid of the people. And then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, who was numbered among the twelve. He went away and discussed with the chief priests and the temple police how he could hand Jesus over to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him silver. So he accepted the offer and started looking for a good opportunity to betray him to them when the crowd was not present. Then the day of unleavened bread came when the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. They said, where do you want us to prepare it? They asked him and Jesus said, listen, he said to them, when you're entered into the city, a man carrying a water jug will meet you. First of all, that was unusual. The fact that a man was carrying a water jug just didn't happen in that culture. I'm sorry, but that's what the ladies, that was the ladies' job. We don't live in that world anymore, do we? Yeah, we both do dishes in my house, I'm just telling you. And, and sometimes we even both shovel the driveway. Though I did not let her do it for very long. I'm just telling you right now. Just Can I get a witness? Can I get a witness? It says, follow him into the house that he enters. Tell the owner of the house, the teacher asks you, where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large furnished room upstairs. Make the preparations there. Wasn't unusual in that culture. Because for one, that feast, the time of the feast had come, so they expected a lot of people. Can you imagine, like in Miami, they're expecting a lot of people to come. And they're making preparations. Yeah, they're raising the rent. <laughs> Would you like to have an Airbnb in Miami? <laughs> This past this week, because you can make a lot of money. So they're expecting that to happen. So when they went and found it, just as he had told them, they prepared the Passover. 
When the hour had came, Jesus reclined at the table and the apostles with him. Man, doesn't that sound so intimate? Like we're just hanging out. We're just sitting around. And he's with the people that he's the closest to. His own family wasn't even there. It was these people that he had spent the last three years pouring his life into, training them and teaching them. And then he said to them, I have fervently desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he said, Take this and share it among yourselves, for I will tell you, from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And that's something we don't do here. We don't, we don't have that first cup where we would pass it around. It's flu season. We're not going to do that. Right? Yeah, that'd just be yucky. Everybody have your own straw, you know, and we'll just pass, you just take a little sip and pass it to the next person. Backflow would not be good. So it says, and he took bread and gave thanks and broke it, and he gave it to them and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. They didn't know. The disciples at the time, they didn't know what was really happening. Do this in remembrance of me. I thought we were supposed to do this in remembrance of what happened to the people that were coming out of Egypt. Is it that why we celebrate the Passover? I'm sure Jesus was like, just stick with me. Stay with me here. In the same way, it says he also took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. They didn't know. They didn't know what was going to happen. I mean, you can imagine hindsight was really 2020 for them. Like afterwards, after the cross, you're like, oh, that's what he was talking about. But we're here this morning and we know because we're all on the other side. And we can look back and see what it was Jesus was getting ready to do. And then it says, but look, the hand of the one betraying me is at the table with me. For the Son of Man will go away as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. So they began to argue among themselves which of them could be who was going to do it, which that's just pretty human, right? It's going to be you. I, mean, I knew all along, Peter, you didn't you just talk a good talk. And they argued with each other. And then they went on to argue with, like, who's the greatest in the kingdom? Like, yeah, yeah, Jesus, that's good. Body broken for me, great day. Blood poured out for me. Okay, good. But who's going to get, like, who's, shotgun, who's going to get to sit up front? Is what they really wanted to know. <laughs> and Jesus was like, oh, you don't want this cup. The cup that I'm about ready to drink. You don't want any part of this. It's not going to be good. And so that was just one recording in one gospel of Jesus establishing this new covenant. So, so I want to try to walk you through this, um, and, and hopefully you'll understand this. So the covenant, the Greek word for this, for the word covenant is pronounced diatheke, diatheke. And it means this. It's, it's a contract. Or another word, a way to describe it, it is basically what they would call a divisory will. It is a 
thing that was drawn up. It was an agreement between people that something was going to be distributed to the people after a death occurred. You got to try to wrap your mind around this. This contract, this will, if you will, was only going to be in effect after the person died, right? Like if I had a will, which by the way, kids, we don't. There's not a whole lot left. Well, I'm not leaving a whole lot behind, Emma. Just and Yesenia, just want you to know, <laughs> you guys will fight over my car or whatever it is, but I'm not leaving a whole lot behind. But, I'm, but you can't have what belongs to me until I die. And even in Hebrews, I love where it said that Jesus, um, when they talk about Jesus, it says Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant and a death has to take place for redemption of past sins to occur. Like Jesus was going to have to die in order for this will to take place. In order for this new covenant to be confirmed, a death had to happen. And then after the death happened, what was distributed to the people? The Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit that came as a result of Jesus' death in order to live in those who would believe after his death and resurrection so that they could then live on and have power to live on this earth and to do the things God has called them to do. But Jesus had to die first in order for that to be established. A will is no good unless, if the person's still alive, right? Does that make sense? You understand that Jesus, when he said, this is a new covenant, oh, this is a different kind of agreement here. Like, we're not talking about the death of an animal and his blood poured out. We're talking about my death, one death for all people. And from that is going to be distributed to all the people the power of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a powerful picture. And Jesus had to die in order for that to happen. That new covenant would be worthless without Jesus' death. But the beautiful thing is, is Jesus didn't stay dead, right? Oh, no. No, no, no. He conquered death. That's the reason we can celebrate the day at the table. The body broken for us and the blood poured out for us. Because of the life that comes through him. Jesus, at that particular time, was preparing his disciples for his death. And you know, the thing is, is it's not like they would have been unfamiliar with words like this, because there was actually a prophecy in the book of Jeremiah that spoke about this very thing. Jeremiah chapter 31. You don't have to go there if you don't want to, but it's, it's 31, 31 through 34. And I'll just read it to you, but you just mark that down if you, if you take notes. Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. This is a prophetic picture of what Jesus was going to accomplish with what we just read out of of Luke chapter 22. So listen to what it says. Yes, it's exactly what it says right there. It says, look, the days are coming. So the prophet says, look, the days are coming. We just read about the day that came, right? Isn't that cool? Look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, this one will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors on the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, even though I am their master, (laughs) the Lord's declaration, 
Instead, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, the Lord's declaration. I will put my teaching within them and write on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will one teach his neighbor or his brother saying, know the Lord, for they will all know me from the least to the greatest of them. This is the Lord's declaration. I love that. He just keeps saying that, right? This is the Lord's declaration. For I will forgive their iniquity and never again remember their sin. Isn't that good news? Like, that's amazing. Like, the, the prophet Jeremiah was saying, this is what's going to happen when Jesus comes to establish the new covet, covenant. The Lord's declaration to you today is that your sins can com- be completely wiped out when you receive Christ because of the power of his blood that was poured out for you on the cross. That, my friends, is a beautiful picture of this New Testament, this new covenant that Jesus came to establish. I thought that was just great. And then this part where it says, I will put my teaching within them and write it on their hearts. That's the Holy Spirit. He was talking about, you don't have to have like the scroll any longer to carry around with you. I'm gonna write all of it on your heart, Pat. And, and you don't, you'll have it with you wherever you go. So no matter where you are, there I am with you. Isn't that crazy? Like literally wherever we go today, Brian, when you leave this place, Jay, when you leave this place, God's heart, his heart and his love for you is written on your heart. And you can take it with you wherever you go. And so we distribute Jesus wherever we go. Yeah, that's, that's his plan. That's how he works. That's how he's able to accomplish so much more. It's one of the reasons why he needed to die, be risen again, and ascend into heaven. So that we would get off our butts and go do something. I'm sorry, that's not biblical, but that's just exactly what came to my mind. Right, So that we would go and do what it is he's called us to do. Because he's written it on our hearts. And once we have it here, we got to let it out and share it with other people. Until the day that he comes. Which is what it says, in a, Paul said, that we will remember, we will do this until the day Jesus returns again. And we won't have to do it anymore. We won't need to break the bread and drink the cup because we will have him in front of us. Man, some of you need to get excited about that. Everybody including my wife, get excited about that. I love in John where it says, uh, John says about Jesus, he's the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Like John was pointing, pointing towards like what Jesus was gonna accomplish. And then I talked about this earlier, like in John 19, that they believe that other people observing the, the Lord's Supper um, at the time where, or the Passover when Jesus was actually being crucified. It says it was preparation day for the Passover. It was about noon. And at the time that Jesus was being hung on a cross, lambs were being slain. Only God could work that out. Crazy. Oh, that we would return. That we would all return to the first time we really realized what Jesus did for us. Do you remember that time? Yesterday, when we were sitting around in the Hensley's house, we were asking people to talk about their baptism experience. It's crazy stories. Everybody's story's different. But do you remember the time when you first realized Jesus is who he says he is? And that you went from this, this Sunday school knowledge as a kid, Bible school knowledge as a kid, to an adult or, what, and, or maybe a young adult, and you're like, oh my gosh, he, Jesus really does love me. Like, he really does have a purpose and a plan for my life. Do you remember that time? 
I hope you do. For some of you, it might have just been recently. And maybe for some of you, you're still waiting to have that experience. Maybe you're still too stubborn to let go. Maybe you still are convinced that, you know what, I can do this without him. Don't believe that lie. You can't. You can't. I love, uh, as we're, getting, we're getting close here. Look at Acts chapter 2 real quick. So this is a... Uh, this is just kind of a picture of the first church and kind of what was going on with them at this particular time when people first started to believe, when people were getting baptized, when people were gathering together at a table remembering what Jesus has done. It was fresh in their mind then because it wasn't too long before. Like people were still alive that had remembered. There were probably people still alive that actually saw Jesus being crucified. So it was easier for them to, to reflect and to look back. But in Acts chapter 2, starting at verse, uh, let's say, 38. Or let's just let's do 37 because it, it leads into this. It says, when they heard Peter talk about what Jesus had done for them, about the death and his resurrection, when they heard this, they were pierced through their heart, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, each one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive that gift of the Holy Spirit, the things written on your heart. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he testified and strongly urged them, saying, be saved from this corrupt generation. Nothing's changed. We still need to be saved from this corrupt generation. Amen? Amen. Some of you wanted to say amen, but you just didn't. Brady didn't lead out. Like, come on, Brady, catch up. Here we go. So those who accepted it said, this message were baptized, and in that day about 3,000 people were added to them. Man, if that's the case, we better get a few more cups out and get some more juice because it's about to get live. And then, here's what the early church was doing. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's like coming to church and hearing teaching. They, developed, they devoted themselves to the fellowship. That's like gathering in other groups outside of the Sunday morning experience, to being in homes and eating together, enjoying each other's presence, whether it be called a small group or a cell group or a whatever group, but it's just doing life together. And they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and to prayer, which is what we are doing this morning. We devoted ourselves to do this, to break bread together. And everyone was filled with awe. Many wonders and signs were being performed by the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed to, um, or distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Let me, let me just tell you, um, that goes on in this church. Now, I haven't had anybody recently like sell something and bring all the money and put it at my feet or put it in the offering basket or whatever, but every time that you give a dollar to this church, 
10 cents of that goes into an account called a benevolence account. And we give to those who are in need. And we give generously to those who are in need. And I'm not saying that to pat ourselves on the back. I'm just saying that's reality. That's what we do because that's what the church is supposed to do. Yesterday, my friend um, Josh Falter, who is on his way to Israel right now with his father, that's going to be an incredible trip, right? Going to get to walk where Jesus walked. So this is going to be awesome. Uh, yesterday, Josh and I walked where Jesus walked in a completely different way. I got a message on my phone on, through Messenger, through Facebook, and it was a girl that used to go to my youth group back in the day, like 16 years ago. And her and her husband are in a tent somewhere off of 43rd and Sterling by Independence. In a tent since December. You remember how cold it has been? <laughs> Even if it was 70 degrees, being in a tent since December would not be a good thing. And so we went and walked where Jesus would walk. And we, 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 got, we got to them and we, we were able to help them get some food. And we helped them get a couple of nights in a, in a motel where mo people get killed. <laughs> That's a motel, right? Mo people get killed. This is not a nice place. It was a... It's not a good place, but it was affordable. It was close to where they needed to be so they didn't have to, like, they could leave their stuff in their tent. And at least for a couple nights, they'll have a warm place to sleep and food to eat. And we wouldn't be able to do that if people didn't give. Which, by the way, the command to give is coming. I'm just saying, get ready. Just get ready. Because <laughs> he's going to challenge you to give even more. To be generous because he's been so generous. When we come to the table, we remember what Jesus has done for us. Nobody's been more generous to you than Jesus. Nobody. You'll never find anybody who's been more generous to you than him. And these people were all together. It says they, all the proceeds were distributed to those who had a need. And every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and they broke bread from house to house. Now they were eating together. They're sharing meals together. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Those who were saying, there's nothing else in this world that can offer me what Jesus can offer me. And there's no other place in this world that can offer me what the church offers me. Are we that church? Are we going to be that church? We offer that kind of love, that kind of acceptance to one another? I hope so. That's my heart as your pastor. I want it to be your heart too. But do, it, but do even more. Do even greater things than I can possibly accomplish. Because there's more of you. There's more, we can accomplish more because we've got more hands. Thanks again for choosing this podcast from the Calling Community Church. We hope it leaves you encouraged. If you need more information about the church or want to speak to someone about prayer or faith in Jesus, please visit our website, thecallingcommunitychurch.com, and fill out the contact form. We look forward to hearing from you and hope you have a blessed day.